From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. Monday was a day of remembrance for the more than 120,000 Japanese Americans who were incarcerated during World War II. The Moab Museum has launched a new exhibit highlighting the lesser known of Utah's two incarceration camps. Tilda Wilson, with our partners at KUER, reports. Even in 1943, when the Dalton Wells prison camp was opened, people in Moab didn't know it existed. The museum's executive director, Forrest Rogers, says he heard that from a lifelong resident. And she said, we never knew that story. We we never knew what, what was really out there. That's why the exhibit, a Moab prison camp, Japanese American incarceration in Grand County, was created. It tells the story of the 56 men who were held there through letters and photos. They were labeled troublemakers, but they were just fighting for what they believed in. That's former Utah Senator Janie Iwamoto. She sponsored a bill in 2022 that led to the state recognizing February 19th as a day of remembrance. We need to know about each other's past, even though they're uncomfortable, because... You know, without that, you cannot ever move forward and make real change. Rogers hopes this will help people gain awareness that prompts reflection. The exhibit is on display until June 29th. Tilda Wilson reporting with our partners at KUER. For more on the exhibit, we have two interviews on the subject. The Moab Museum's Mary Langworthy was recently a guest on This Week in Moab. And Forrest Rogers was recently a guest on Art Talks. You can find those interviews at KZMU Public Affairs, wherever you listen to podcasts. Powwows are meant to be safe spaces where Indigenous peoples can socialize and express themselves through song and dance. For some tribes, gender can limit what a person may perform. But those rules did not apply at the fourth annual Arizona Two-Spirit Powwow held last weekend. Gabriel Piotrazio with our partners at KJZZ reports. Sheila Lopez founded the group that started the state's first Two-Spirit Powwow back in 2019. We were nervous with some of the backlash that we would possibly face because we are not putting the gender in the category. This urban native LGBTQ powwow is still popular five years later with Phoenix Indian Center as a co-sponsor. Because traditionally, long ago, at least in Navajo, it was considered a blessing to have a child who was gay. The Phoenix-based Dene drag queen Navajo is co-emceeing the powwow at South Mountain Community College. In their own words, someone who identifies as two-spirit like themselves is... Regardless of gender, of who they are, the spirit of a masculine and feminine energy. And they use this to help within their community. As warriors, caregivers, shamans, matchmakers, and healers. They're able to bring balance. Gabriel Piatarazio, Phoenix. Black Soldiers of Utah is a new exhibit exploring the history of black soldiers and veterans in the state. Lara Jones and Nick Burns, with our partners at KRCL, sat down with Robert Birch of Sema Haditi, African American Heritage and Culture Foundation. They hear why the exhibit exists and share some of the stories. You know, here are these two black newspapers in Utah. That's the kind of history you're exposing, right? There's so much about blacks 
not only in Utah, but throughout the Intermountain West and probably throughout the world, but especially talking about Utah today, these histories are either deliberately hidden or made invisible through white history that's just kind of overwritten. So it seems yes. to me you've got this amazing project that's unending to sort of unpack that, unpack the hidden histories. Yeah, and, and we're trying to work toward that along with the Utah Historical Society, the University of Utah, and other folks, because it's not just that these stories are hidden, which they are, or ignored, and I know people don't like that term. Uh, it has a little social tension to it to, to say that you're ignoring a community. Uh, but there's also this sense of uh, distrust from the African-American community. And so we want to collect artifacts from the community and stories from the community, but the community has to feel that the people they're giving it to can be trusted. Ah. And, and so it, that's a large part of it as well. And is that, you know, a historical mistrust that so often the oh, yes. stories of black people were told by white people? Uh, it's part of uh. The, uh, uh, black stories being told by white people and, you know, in the whole thinking about cultural appropriation. But uh, a large part of it is, for instance, what one of the driving forces for creating Sema Haditi was that we had huge, powerful organizations in Utah who did collect that history but now refuse to share it. Oh, really? And so it oh. ends up being out of our control. And so when we want to tell a story, then we have to get permission from these people in order to use it in some, and in, in most times. What organizations or folks? Is it private uh, collections? or Some of it is private co collections, but pe places that you would know, uh, Brigham Young University, uh, the LDS Church, uh -huh. and stuff like that. Because back in the day, and I think I mentioned this to, mm -hmm. to you before, the LDS Church was the organization c collecting all of the history, not just Latter-day Saint history, but just state history, yeah. state records and things of that nature. And, and then so, controlling the narrative by controlling, controlling by. access to the yeah, those exactly. archives, Nick. And that's something that, you know, I've lived here for 25 years, but the first few years I lived here, nobody talked about Brigham Young and what he said about slavery and all, you know, right. that was kind of just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and there has been this this idea of creating this mythological perception of what Zion is, mm. and so of course creating that uh, perception by the LDS Church, there was necessarily narrative that didn't fit that meaning larger narrative that they meaning wanted to that create. people like you didn't fit the narrative, meaning that the stories around people like me okay didn't fit the narrative. Yeah. So individuals could maybe fit if you were appropriately LDS. Right. But the bigger story, yeah, not so much. Not so much. And so that's why so huh. many people don't know about slavery or, or that uh, Utah came into the Union? country mm -hmm. as a slaveholding yeah. state. All right. So this exhibit you have going on now mm -hmm. at the Utah Cultural Celebration Center, you call it Fathers of Freedom, Utah's Black Veterans. Mm -hmm. Tell us about some of the stories that you share. In that. Uh, as you said, we, we, we tried to break it up into sections. Part of it is stories about affinity groups, because when you look at the veterans in Utah, you have this group of veterans that are part of the Divine Nine. You have this group of veterans that are the, actually general leadership of Hill Air Force Base. You have this section of actually one family that, you know, you have a panel of seven soldiers. So by by gathering these stories and then exhibiting them, mm -hmm. it's showing and telling, in essence, that yes. folks of color, black people in particular, 
are part of Utah's history. Yes. And so you're not just looking for, you know, the presidents of this or that. You're talking about real people's stories. Right. And that's why we're called Samuel Haditi, and that is Swahili for tell the story. And so we want to go into the details about Allensworth, his wife, his children, what they did at Fort Douglas, what they did for the nation. And, you know, and the same story for Fort Duchesne and other mm-hmm. places because uh, uh, there are several events that are rooted to Utah that has national significance, but no one seems to know about. Yeah. Well, in the Buffalo Soldiers, you just mentioned a key part of that. I think very few people mm-hmm. know that they were stationed here at Fort Douglas, right. but also fought in Cuba and yes. the Philippines in some bloody, nasty stuff. Yes, and, and, and particularly being the soldiers that placed the, uh, the, the U.S. Army flag on top of San Juan Hill. Uh, we have that national narrative that it was Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> and the Rough Riders because Teddy Roosevelt was able to control that narrative. Mm-hmm. But that same banner that was placed atop San Juan Hill is up at Fort Douglas Military Museum, yeah. and it belonged to the 24th. The Buffalo Soldiers is the third plank of this exhibit that you have out at the Utah Cultural Celebration Center. Mm-hmm. Again, raising archiving, preserving, and then raising the profile of stories of black Utahns. Yes. That was Robert Birch of Sema Haditi discussing the exhibit Black Soldiers of Utah with KRCL's Lara Jones and Nick Burns. That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. You've been listening to KZMU News, grassroots community-powered journalism, weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online on kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.